You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Good morning. I am so excited to be here this morning. It's such a privilege to be able to come um, and to be with you, to worship with you. Thank you, Blair and Jubilee and the rest of the team for that. It was, it was awesome. Um, yeah, it's just really exciting. I have my daughter, Evelyn, here with me this morning. Um, my wife and the other three kids are away. They're in um, Missoula, Montana. My eldest, my son's my oldest. He's 17, and he's playing in one of the honor bands at the university there. He's in grade 12. Um, he's playing some band there. Uh, so they're away this weekend, so they couldn't be here. I got four kids, so he's 17. There's Evelyn, who's 15. This is where I remember how old my kids are. And Kyla, who's 13. And then Gabrielle, our youngest, who's 10. Um, so now we'll have to come back another time so you can meet the rest of the family. Um, yeah, I miss them. They've been gone all weekend, so this afternoon means we have to clean up the house Evelyn and I before she gets back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so great to be here with you. Like Blair was already saying, I'm, I'm, I'm working at the, the Tab Church over there. Um, I have this really fancy title of executive pastor, which sounds way fancier than it actually is. Mostly I just keep schedules uh, and make sure everyone goes where they're supposed to go at the proper time. That's basically what I do over there. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here this morning and to, to also speak and be able to contribute to the sermon series that you guys have been doing on going through Colossians and completing Christ. And uh, the nice part was, you know, when we were talking about me coming here and Greg going over there, um, he, he gave me a list of all the different, like, sermon topics and passages, so I got to choose the exact one that I wanted to do. So I got to show us a good topic, uh, the nice, fun topic this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to speak on this morning, continuing this series on Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. You know, it's amazing, humans, of how social we are, eh? We are such a social, a social group. And it amazes me all the time how much of who I am is actually a result of all the people that I hang around with or who I'm associating with. I actually remember reading an article a number of years ago now. And uh, it was actually saying one of the big problems that we have is that everyone today is trying to be their, their own individual person, trying to, be who, try to find out who you really are, when actually, as humans, we, we thrive best when we're actually emulating other people around us, that as we grow up, we actually need those role models, people who we can look up to, people who we can imitate in order to become like them. And that's actually how we become all who we are supposed to be. Not by trying to get rid of all that stuff, but actually welcoming other people into our lives. And it's amazing, right? Like children, I love the fact that it's family Sunday here this morning. Uh, so far, not much chaos, which is um, incredible. Uh, <laughs> but right, as children, right, children only learn because they are around other people. No child learns language completely isolated, Right? They only learn how to speak because they are watching their parents and watching the people around them and imitating the sounds. And that's how we, we grow as humans. We imitate the people around us. And lots of times, it's not even a conscious thing that we're doing. It's completely unconscious. We just start to act like the people that we hang around. 
I've had uh, the privilege this, this year, since September, of helping out with the InterVarsity group at the University of Lethbridge. Yeah, the person who normally runs it, uh, Danae, she's awesome. She's on maternity leave right now, so she asked if I could help kind of fill in with a few things and help out, which I was really excited to do. So I went with some Bible studies and go to some of their meetings and stuff. And it's been great working with these students, uh, but it has opened me, opened up to me a whole new world of language and just a whole new world. Uh, I have learned what Vibin and Riz is, uh, which I had no idea those words existed uh, before September. That's right. Uh, I, I be Vibin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually don't even, yeah. <laughs> It was funny, when I first started like helping out, it was like totally entering this like foreign land. I had no idea where anything was in the university. They had to like give me tours, like not just once, but many, many times, so I could figure out what was all happening. I had no idea what they were saying half the time, because they're using words like vibin and riz, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this is happening around me. I felt really old. Uh, but it's been a couple of months now. And I've kind of gotten used to the language a little bit. I have not started using the language. Uh, they tell me that that will happen one day. Uh, but I can normally now understand what they're talking about. And I've even found this happen with different churches. Um, as I've grown up, I've been to different churches. Recently, I spent three years at a Reformed church in Monarch. They, they were looking for a pastor, and I was kind of helping out on an interim basis there. And I had never been in a Reformed church before, before going there. It was, it, was a great, it was a great church. But being part of this Reformed church, I, again, learned a whole new language that I had never used before. You know, I learned what a consistory was and synods and all these other things. It took a while and a lot of me, like, pretending, you know, like the, the term fake it till you make it. That was me for three years at this Reformed church. Um, but there was this, also this huge, rich history in this church. Of, of biblical preaching and, and solid Bible knowledge by everyone there. So when I spoke at the church, I could make lots of references to Bible stories. And I could usually expect that everyone would know exactly what I was talking about. You know, I could talk about David and Goliath. Uh, I could talk about Samson. And then everyone kind of knew because they'd all kind of grown up in this church of what I was talking about. I could even like m use obscure names, maybe like Obadiah or Nahum which I know you just recently did the Minor Prophets, so you all know who those names are. Um, there's just this rich biblical knowledge in this church, and it was incredible. Now, however, I'm at the tab, which is a, a different kind of culture and a different kind of, of language that's used there. The tab has its own tradition and, and, and language and stuff as well. At the tab, I had to learn what a sheep feeder was. I had no idea what a sheep feeder was. Yes, I can see, yeah. Uh, it's a songbook that they put together themselves that they used to use, especially like in like the 70s and 80s. And it was like everyone had their own sheep feeder songbook. And they would just like, whenever they got together, they sing out of the sheep feeder. It's kind of cool. Uh, I also learned that Tab was quite involved in searches. I had no idea what a search was before going to the Tab. I don't know, maybe you guys, you might hear know what a search was. I'm, you've done them? Yeah, an incredible history I've learned of these searches of, they're basically these intensive time, like weekends, right? Where you would come and just get to know God. And lots of people came to, came to be Christians through these searches where there's an intensive weekend of just people serving you and helping you to encounter God in a whole new way. It was really cool. Um, 
But also at that time, while we have a segment of people who have this like rich biblical knowledge as well, we actually have quite a few people that have no church background or, you know, they're either new to Christianity or maybe they're not even Christians at this time. And so one of the things I had to learn with coming to the tab was that I can't assume everyone knows the Bible stories that I'm talking about. I have to make sure whenever I make a, a reference to a Bible story, even ones that, you know, for those who grew up in the church would be very common ones, um, I always have to make sure I explain them because I just can't assume with the tab that everyone knows those stories. And my point is in that the places we find ourselves really affect how we think and what our language is that we use and how we behave. You know, even physical buildings, right, can actually affect how we react and, and how we behave. If you were to enter into a, a grand cathedral, right, what would happen if you entered into a grand cathedral? Probably be quieter, right? You'd probably whisper. You probably would be a little bit more reverent. Um, your posture, you might stand up a little bit straighter. Um, you might sit a little bit straighter when you're sitting down because there's just something about a cathedral that, 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 that helps you enter into this reverence and this awe of what's all around you. And you can contrast that to what happens if you enter into like a sports stadium, right? Depends, I guess, what sports team. Uh, I am a Leafs fan, uh, so, you know, there's usually a lot of sadness, uh, <laughs> especially in the fall, uh, <laughs> whenever we come against Boston. But if you go to a sports stadium, right, you're probably a little bit more relaxed. Uh, you're probably talking, if anything, a little bit louder. Or maybe you're like leaning forward in your chair. You're standing up a lot because you're really into the game and cheering onto the game, right? Our environment can have this impact of, of how we act and how we behave and even the kind of language that we can use sometimes. And so with all that in mind, we approach our text this morning of Colossians 3, 1 to 4. I'll just read it for you. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Ah, such a great passage. So Paul begins this passage with, so if you have been raised with Christ. And it can seem like this is like some kind of question, or, or maybe it's in doubt. You know, maybe we've been raised with Christ, maybe we haven't been raised with, with Christ. It can seem like it might be uncertain, but it's not actually how the if works here. This if isn't a question, it's more like an if-then, right? If, if you stick your finger in the electrical socket, you will get a shock. I actually had an electrician friend uh, who apparently is still alive, uh, but that's how he would test to see if the like, circuit breaker was on or off. He would just stick his finger in the socket because he was too lazy to go walk down the stairs to check the breaker itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's, it's kind of same. If you do this, then that'll happen. If you put a bowl of candy in front of me, I will eat it all without even noticing that I am doing so. Because I love candy. Chocolate, not so much. But candy, man, I love candy. You know, if I speak too long this morning, then the children will go crazy. Uh, <laughs> and so it's a great reminder for myself of I'm going too long if the kids start acting up. Right? For Paul, there is no doubt that you have been raised with Christ. Which he talks about actually just in the passage before, um, that you have been 
raised with Christ. If you have given your life to Christ here, you in fact have already been raised with him. And for Paul, it's not a future event that will happen one day in the future. No, in this passage for Paul, it's something that has already happened in the past. We have already in the past been raised with Christ. And because we are raised with Christ, we now need to seek the things that are above. We need to seek the things where Christ is, who is seated at the right hand of God. To the Colossians, as you kind of have probably noticed as you've been working through this whole, the whole book and the whole series, have kind of been trying to do things a little backwards. Um, one of the big problems in the church in Colossae is that they've been trying to live their lives really from an earthly point of view, trying to reach up to the things above. So they've come with a variety of rules and a variety of disciplines um, that they hope will help them reach this higher plane of living. You know, so if they stay away from eating certain foods, then maybe they can attain a, a higher level of purity. You know, if they beat their bodies, one of the things they were doing was, was beating their bodies and whipping their flesh to, in order to have, attain some kind of mastery over their flesh so that they can live in a more heavenly existence while they're here. Or maybe if they start partaking in these ecstatic experiences where they work themselves up into this really spiritual fervor, then they'll be able to enter again another higher level of living or a more spiritual way of living. And Paul's saying, you actually have it backwards. They're doing it backwards. They don't have to do anything to go from living an earthly kind of existence to a more higher spiritual kind of living. They have already been raised up with Christ. They have already been seated in Christ at the right hand of God, if we read in Ephesians. They're already in this position because they've already died with Christ. And if you've died with Christ, then you have been raised with him. And this is the same issue we often face ourselves, I find. Or maybe it's just me. You know, I'm not talking about us trying to earn our salvation. Usually we can wrap our heads around earning our salvation, and it's not done by works. But I find that sometimes we can try and do certain acts or certain spiritual disciplines with the goal in mind of somehow I can achieve a, a higher level of spirituality if I just do things. You know, if I wake up at, at 5 o'clock in the morning and spend an hour or two, which I don't, uh, <laughs> you know, spend an hour or two studying my Bible, I'll somehow become a more spiritual person because of that. If I spend, you know, maybe an hour a day in, in worship, I'll achieve a higher level of living. If I go on this retreat or that retreat, then, then I'll be an even better person than I am now. And it's not that any of those things are bad. Blair talked about that last week. None of those things are bad in and of themselves. We, we should be reading our Bibles. We should be praying and fasting and going on retreats and spending time in worship and other spiritual disciplines. They are good practices to do. But we should be doing them so we can actually come to know Jesus better, to come to know the Father and the Holy Spirit better, to have a better understanding of who God is and who we are. We don't do them so that we can achieve some higher level of spiritual standing. Because we've already been raised with Christ and seated with him. There's no higher place to go than where we're already at. Instead, Paul says in verse 2, we are to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things on this earth. 
to set our minds on the things that are above is not just about having a correct way of thinking, although it is definitely we need to have this correct way of thinking, but our correct way of thinking should actually live into a correct way of living. It, should, it has to do with our behavior of how we're living, how we're acting. That's what Paul is getting at here. We need to live properly. Have the, it has to do with our behavior. It's actually the same word if you know like Philippians chapter 2, have the same mind in you as in Christ. Um, to imitate who Christ is. That's the same word that's being used here. They're supposed to have the same attitude or the same character of, as Christ is. That we're supposed to live like Christ lived. We are to live and to center our lives around the kind of kingdom of God living. I think when Paul is talking about all this stuff, about the things that are above, it's actually just another way for Paul to talk about the kingdom of God, about God's reign and his rule over all of creation. And how do we change our thinking and our living so we're actually better in line with God's living, with God's thinking? The same way you would if you want to learn what the words vibin and riz mean. <laughs> you have to just immerse yourself in the place. You know, if you want to learn the French language and French culture and really learn French culture, how would you do it? What's the best way to do it? Pardon? Go to France. Exactly, right? Go to France. And not just like a one-week vacation where you go see all the touristy things, but actually go to France. Go live in France for a year or two years or many years and immerse yourself in the culture. What won't work is going to France and then never leaving your room and just, you know, watching Anna Green Gables on the television uh, all day long. <laughs> you know, maybe reading a tourist book or two uh, <laughs> while you're in your room. Right? You're not going to learn the French culture that way. And yet that's often how we approach our new lives in Christ. You know, we, we're, we just stay in the room and maybe we'll read a, a, a book or two about how we should be living in Christ. But we have actually been already raised with Christ. Right, Paul? We are seated with Christ. And, and what we can fall into is actually not engaging with this kingdom culture and just being satisfied with reading some books about it instead. Now, I love reading. I love studying. And they're good and they're good practices. But we actually need to start living in this new reality that Christ has called us to, that Christ has raised us up to. And so Paul says, start living in that reality now already. You learn how to live out that reality by first living in that reality. We need to immerse ourselves in the presence of God, in the very presence of God. Not just being a tourist, but actually partaking in kingdom living at every moment of our lives so we can be transformed more and more into the kingdom of God people. And that actually is where the role of the spiritual disciplines is so important. We read scripture not because it helps us attain another level of spirituality, but we immerse ourselves in the scripture because it allows us to know who Christ is better. It allows us to know this kingdom and the culture that is there and it's all wrapped up in, the, in his word. You know, we enter into prayer, into worship, not because, again, it makes us more spiritual, but it actually immerses us into the very presence of God. It helps us enter into to the, the very culture and presence of the living God. And the more we can spend time 
in that culture, the more we can spend time in his presence, the more we find ourselves being transformed from glory into glory. And what does this kingdom culture look like that we're supposed to be immersing ourselves into? If we actually look ahead a little bit, and I'm sure Greg or Blair or someone will be preaching on it in the next week or two. But in verses 12 to 14, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, it's, it's interesting to contrast this list of what Paul calls us to live with, or live how we're supposed to live, with last week's passage where Paul is telling us what we need to die to. Uh, it's interesting if you can actually look at them both side by side and start contrasting them. Because Paul says, as, as we saw last week, we have died to the earthly regulations, Paul says, right? We've died to those things like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All those kind of regulations we've actually died to with Christ. Again, not that all those things are bad or even in and of themselves are bad. But when we try to live from that earthly point of view, trying to reach up to, to the heavenly realms or trying to reach up or attain something, that's when they start to fall apart. We have now made those things all about us. It's an interesting list, right? When you look at it, the do not taste, do not touch, do not, do not, do not, do not. Do not. It's all about our own trying to work on ourselves and our own spirituality, you know, I, I will determine what I'm going to eat or not eat. I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to try and do this. And it's all about working ourselves up to try to attain some level. And contrast that to what Paul says we should be doing. Instead, when we realize we have been raised with Christ, we clothe ourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, love. Such a difference between those two lists. The earthly one that we are focused on or we, we, we have died to is all self-centered. It's all self-focused. It's all about improving myself. But the second list moves away from myself and instead focuses on all the others around us. The kingdom culture isn't about how do I improve myself. Rather, the kingdom culture is about how do we bring the characteristic of God, the very, the very character of who God is, out into the world that is all around us. The risen life of Christ isn't about making myself better. Living the kingdom culture of Christ is about impacting the world that is all around us with God's love and with God's hope. And the world has never needed that more than it needs it right now. You know, Christ has done this absolutely incredible work in each one of us. I'm sure we could take time. We could all share testimonies of, of how Christ has been working in our lives, even in just this past week. And I could share stories even this last week of what Christ has all been doing. Christ is doing an incredible work. He has transferred us from darkness into light. He has raised us up into a new life. He has called us now to bring the kingdom culture out into this world that's all around us. He calls us to set our minds on the things that are above, 
not so that we can just think correctly, but so that our entire lives can be changed. And as our entire lives are changed, we actually see new creation happening all around us. Right? That's as 1 Corinthians, where Paul will talk about that, that we have become a new creation. And when that happens, actually new creation just happens all around us. It's not just about us as a new person. It's about new creation all happening around us because the new life in Christ isn't just about me and God. It's about everything around us, around us as well, about the world that is around us, that Christ is redeeming everything and reconciling it all back to himself. And now we get to join in with that ministry as well. And so we need to begin to live our lives not from the perspective of these earthly things, somehow trying to attain some new level of spirituality, but we have to start living out of this mindset that we have been raised with Christ. That is our identity, that we are a kingdom of God people. And when we can start to live from that perspective, the very world and people around us begin to change as well. Because they get to start to hang out with you, with me. And as we can kind of notice, right? And you don't even have to necessarily be teaching them. It's just like raising up your children. They watch you. They're, they're just influenced by your very presence. And so people, as they come in contact with us, are coming in contact with the Christ that lives in us. And they begin to see the difference. They begin to notice the difference. They begin to even change themselves. The God begins to work in their lives. But it only happens when we start living from that kingdom perspective. The very presence of God goes out from us and touches the world around us. And we can see that transformation happening. It's incredible to see. It's incredible to see. I can come here on a Sunday morning and, and I can see it. I can come here and I can be welcomed in because we're all brothers and sisters. That the presence of during worship just begins to touch and we can feel it, and we can partake in it, and we can enter into it all together. Because we are not just about ourselves, but we're about influencing those around us. And so I encourage you, church, spend time in that culture. Spend time in God's presence. Spend time just being with God. Because as we be with Him, we begin to change. And as we begin to change, we begin to change the very world around us. And the world needs that. The world needs it right now more than probably ever. It needs the hope. It needs the light. It needs Christ himself. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. We thank you that you have raised us up with you. That we, if we have died with you, we, then we have the full assurance that we have also been raised with Christ. And what a blessed hope we have. What a blessed hope we have knowing that we are already raised with Christ. Father, help us to be able to, to just continue to be transformed from glory to glory in your presence. To be transformed, not for our own sakes, but so that we can see the world transformed around us as well. That as we become more like you, the world actually gets to encounter you more and more because you dwell in us and we begin to reflect that glory out into the world around us. Father, we can't do any of this on our own. That's why we died to those earthly things because we can't, we can't achieve any kind of holiness or achieve any kind of spirituality or any kind of transformation on our own. 
There are no earthly practices that transform us into a spiritual level. It only happens through you raising us up and transforming us, through your spirit coming into our lives and transforming us. Father, I just pray that we begin to live out of this reality, this new way of thinking, that as we, we go to our jobs or our schools or, 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 or our homes, that we begin to walk in a way that showcases this new kingdom reality that we are already in, that we can walk with the confidence that we do not walk alone, but we walk with your spirit each and every day. And that just brings a smile to the people around us and to you. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the gate. I thank you for the people here. I pray just a blessing on them that they will be able to be a huge impact on all those that they are connected with. Father, I just pray all these things in Jesus' name.